0: Luke chapter 4, please. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Pray with me. Father, we're so thankful for the word of God. And I pray now, Lord, as I attempt to preach, I pray, Father, that you'd help me. Lord, Lord, as you never have said before, I claim that verse today. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I just pray you make it so real today. Help as we look at this wonderful and important passage. Speak to our hearts. I pray if there's even one here today, Lord, to whom you have aimed this message, that, uh, Lord, it'll it'll hit home. I pray that uh, the word will bear fruit and that you'll bless. God, fill me with your spirit today. Help me, Lord, to say only things I should, nothing I should not. Help me, Lord, to be able to speak. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Well, I want to start today two ways. I want to start, first of all, by saying thank you uh, for all the love and concern and prayers and everything that's taken place during these hard days. You know, if it weren't for three different relationships in my life, my Savior, whom I love, my children, whom I love, church family. I would not have been able to survive this, but just the fact that you were there, I praise God for it, and I'm thankful. It means more than you will ever know. Actually, you will know one day when we get to glory. I know just how much it meant. I also want to warn you a little bit about my state, which clearly is already obvious to you. Uh, I received a warning from a very dear brother who's gone through a similar loss. He sent me an email, and he said in that thing how, when he had gone through this, his emotions had been an absolute roller coaster. He'd been fine one moment, and the next he'd been completely out of his mind uh, with grief. One minute strong, next destroyed. Waves of grief come crashing down on you that you just can't seem to get your mind around. At inexplicable times, vicious intensity. And I have found that to be the case. And so, if that happens today, uh, just bear with me. I'm sure it actually will happen a few times. It's already happened a few times in the service, so just bear with me. I enjoyed the campfire fellowship last night wonderfully, but I had to leave early because I was on the verge of destroying it for everybody. And so I uh, just, just help with that and bear with that. I know the waves will subside over time, but we're in the midst of the storm right now. When I've counseled people in the past that have been going through things like this or any other thing in their life, I've always counseled them to get the word when we say, read your Bible, it's not just something we say because it sounds Christian. It's not just something we say because it's part of our language. We don't do that. When we say, read your Bible, we do it because it's important, because it's, 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 it's vital. God has given us his word because it tells us what we know, what we need to know. It tells us what we need to know about him and about us. Tells us what we need to know about our need and about his provision. Tells us about the brevity of this life and about the eternity of the next life. It also comforts us when we desperately need comfort. Psalms is good for that. If you find yourself in a a bad time, Psalms is always a good place to go. If you need encouragement, start there. Read the Psalms. And I've spent some time there recently. But it also seems in my my personal case that whenever I need encouragement, uh, I, I tend to go to the Gospels as well. When I most need, what I most need is Him. And so I turn to those accounts. Here's the words. His miracles in Him. And that's how I found myself in Luke chapter 4. It's an interesting passage, and you probably wonder why as you look at that, it would be the passage we look at this morning, but I think it will become quite clear. It's a passage that has a very specific meaning, and I want to talk about that first. And it's also a passage that we can apply in a very wonderful way. And so let's do that. I won't be long today. I don't think I have much in me. But let's just, uh, let's just do those two things. What actually happened here? And how can we apply that? We see a very particular event in these few verses that we looked at, at. Verses 31 through 37. And it's one that's described in many different places in the Gospels. This same sort of thing where Jesus was duking it out with the forces of evil. And that's what we see taking place here. And you know there are forces of evil in this world. There are devils. There is a devil. There are demons. These are not just words. These are not just silly ideas. These are beings, real, with whom we have to do. Enemies. My Bible tells me we have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We are to resist him, steadfast in the faith. My Bible tells me we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. They're real, the forces of people, And so we see this in our text. We see Jesus was preaching in Capernaum. Now when we last visited the Holy Land, we visited Capernaum as we always do. It's one of the most important places that we go and always a favorite stop. And as a matter of fact, we stood in the very place where this event took place. You remember that synagogue? Uh-huh. We stood in that synagogue. That is described here. Now I know it's been rebuilt a couple of times down through the years, but it is the very place, the very synagogue, where Jesus stood toe-to-toe with this demon. And where Jesus said, Be quiet and come out of him. Now the key to understanding what happened here, and the the thought that I want us to see most today is is in uh, verse number thirty six. It's our key verse today. It says, What a word is what a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. See, Jesus had authority over this demon. He has authority over all the forces of evil. They can do nothing he does not permit and they can only do the things that he does. (laughs) You can go back to the book of Job. You can read Job chapter 1 and you can see a perfect example of this where the devil wanted Wanted to test Job and uh, he had to get permission. He had no authority to do anything over Job that was not granted to him. Jesus had authority over this demon. Jesus also had power over this demon. He was able to destroy it and the demons knew that. Look at verse number 34. In verse number 34, I know who you are. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They knew he had the power over them. And Jesus commanded the demon and it obeyed. He said, Be quiet, and I don't see any evidence that the demon spoke one more word. He said, come out. And the demon was gone. Now, it's not my intention this morning to spend a whole lot of time on the doctrines of devils and demons. That's something you can study on your own, but I need to make sure we understood what's being talked about here. It is important. We'll talk about it in another day. But for our purposes today, and for what I'm trying to accomplish today, note this, our adversary is a defeated adversary. Amen. Our Savior has authority and power and commands them. Hallelujah. Power over Satan. Commands at Well, I don't know about you. I take comfort in that. So that's the story. But now let's look at an application, because I I think that this goes far beyond just this little story here. Again, notice the three words that we see in verse number 36. Jesus has authority. Jesus has power. And Jesus has Commands. I think what is true in this specific story about demons is true in just about every, well, not let's take the word just out of there. It's true in every aspect of life. What is true here in the specific is also true in the general. He has power, he has authority, and he commands. True in all things. I can't think of a single sphere of existence where that is not true, where Jesus does not have the authority, where Jesus does not have the power, and where Jesus does not have. The ability to command. Now, think about that word authority for a minute. It's an interesting word. It means authority to rule, it means jurisdiction, his sphere of authority. It means Jesus has the right to exercise his power, it means Jesus has the liberty of doing as he pleases. Jesus has authority. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 6, he said that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Power on earth to forgive sins. That word power there is the same word as here. It's really the word authority. That you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has authority to forgive sins and nobody else does. He is the authority. I don't have the authority to forgive your sins. Don't come asking me for that. I can't do it. No preacher can do it. No priest can do it. No other human being can do it. Those who teach that a priest or a preacher can forgive sins are just plainly wrong. It's not in the Bible. Matthew 28, verse number 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Did you catch that There's a pretty important word in there. All. All authority. Not some. Not limited. All authority. He has all the authority to forgive your sins. He has all the authority to give eternal life. In John chapter 17 and verse number 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. All authority. And Jesus has the authority to call us out of this world when he decides to. He and he alone. He exercised that authority a few days ago when he stood on the edge of heaven and called that home. And believe me, I argue. But then I bowed to his authority. You do know, don't you, that that authority extends to you. Extends to all of us. And when he decides to exercise it, you too will bow to his authority. I have to tell a story about my son. I hope he doesn't get too mad at me when I tell this story. I don't remember if I told this story before or not, but you know, Joshua when he was a teenager was maybe the world's worst driver he's glaring at me now but he's a very good driver now in his old age he was reckless he was a speeder and Beth and I would cry vehemently every time he left the house we'd see him again well he had a couple of run-ins with our good friend Trooper Schaefer and one of those particular run-ins landed him in court And I stood next to him before the judge. And I listened as the judge said to Josh, Mr. Johnson, would you please hand me your driver's license? Your driving privileges are suspended. And do you know what Josh did? Cocky teenager Josh did? He handed his license to the judge. (laughs) Because that judge had the authority to demand it. Now listen to me this morning. I, I don't care who you are. I'm speaking to men and women. I'm speaking to boys and girls. I'm speaking to young and old. I'm speaking to lost and saved. I don't care what you, who you are or what you believe. It does not matter. Jesus has authority over your life. I don't care who you are. Whether you believe it or not, he has it. He also has power over your life. I love the Greek word that is used here. It's the Greek word dunamis from which we get our word dynamite. It's a great word. It means not only does Jesus have the jurisdiction and the authority, he has the ability. He has the ability. It describes his ability to perform an activity. It describes his power, his might, his strength. Our world, sadly, and sadly it even includes our own beloved country, is literally filled with tin pot dictators and disgusting despots who cannot govern their own passions and lives, let alone anybody else. And yet they're given authority over others. But their authority is limited, and it will end. I think of Saddam Hussein when I think about this. Now it's been so long now since Saddam Hussein was taken out. of the picture some might not even remember that. But you know, he was a he had authority. And he exercised authority. He was responsible for terrible things. The murder of millions. But his authority came to an end one day. And he swung from the end of a rope. You see, Jesus has all power. All. There's no limit to his power. He demonstrated it while he walked on this earth. There was no place, no sphere of reality over which he didn't prove his power. He proved it over nature. He could speak and nature would listen. All power. He proved it over disease. He healed the lame and the blind and the sick and the leprosy. All power. He proved it over genetics. I think it's interesting the Bible tells us that there were certain people that were born that way, and he healed them. He proved it over death when he stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth." He proved it over Satan. And examples like what we're reading today. He proved it over men. In Nazareth one time, a big mob of men were going to throw him off the edge of the cliff. And I think it's one of the funny understatements in the Bible. In the Bible he says they just turned the wrong way. <laughs> it's like they just had no ability. Pilate said to him one time, don't you know I have the ability to uh, to, to condemn you? And he said, you could have no power over me whatsoever if God didn't give it. to All power. All power. That's what Jesus. when he decided to call Beth home I did everything in my power to stop that I called 911 I gave her CPR for five minutes I watched the sheriff come and give her to her for five minutes more. And then I watched the EMTs arrive in five minutes more. But fifteen minutes of CPR could not restart a heart. But the king had said it was time to stop. The best efforts of the Coconut Medical Centre could not restore breath to lungs. The king had decreed would breathe no more. A helicopter flight, the neurointensive care unit at Lehigh Valley Medical Center, the best minds could not restart a brain. The king had said it was not going to start. Everybody tried. They tried so hard. But they didn't have the power. He has the power. One last word. He has authority. He has power. And because these are true, He commands. He commands. And I wonder this morning, are you ready, my friend, for the day when you will face, come face to face, not only with the one who has the authority over your life and the power to do what He wills with your life. Are you ready for the day that He commands it? Because He will. It's coming. And if the events of this last week remind you of anything, may they remind you that that command can come at any moment. He's not going to warn you. He's not going to give you time to prepare. If you're one of the foolish ones who sits and says, I'll do it when I'm a little bit more ready, there is not going to be any such thing. He commands when he decides best. What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands. Now let me be absolutely clear about this. None of this is bad. And all of this is good. It's very important to see the distinction. You know, we are so used to living in a fallen world that we cannot conceive of a ruler who has such absolute ultimate authority and ultimate power without assuming he'll use it for evil. We can't consume it or conceive of it. Our understanding of history and our experiences in life tell us it's simply not possible. Give any human being complete authority. Give any human being complete power and they'll, <laughs> they'll simply succumb to it. It was uh, John Emerich Edward Dahlberg Acton, otherwise known as Lord Acton, who famously said power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely great men, are almost always bad men. And we say amen to that, don't we? Because we live in this world. And we know it to be true in this world. But Jesus is the one king who breaks that mold. He has power, but he is not corrupt. Rather, he is good. He's not absolutely corrupt, but rather he's absolutely pure. He's absolutely holy. He's absolutely just. He's absolutely good. And when he exercises his authority and his power, when he commands... We can trust Him and obey Him, for we know Him to be doing it for our good and for our benefit. I recall a story from my childhood. I don't remember if I ever told you this story or not. It was Christmas time in the Johnson household. The fever of gift giving and receiving was in the air. For some reason I wanted to get in the attic. I can't remember why, but I asked permission to get up in the attic. I think I wanted to stash a present up there or something. And my mother said, no, you cannot go in the attic. Well, I didn't like that one little bit. She had the authority to deny my quest request as well as the power to enforce it, and so I didn't go in the attic, but I made her pay. I complained vociferously. I mouthed off about the injustice of my not being allowed to get in the stupid attic over and over. I know you can't believe this now, but when I was a teenager I had a bit of a mouth problem. Don't be like that, guys. Okay? Don't be like that. And it made for a, a lot of unpleasant attitude that Christmas time as I made sure every chance I got I brought up the back, well, why can't you just let me in the stupid attic? And I had, I don't and I don't But then Christmas morning arrived. And we sat around the tree, opening presents. And then Mom looked at me and she said, Billy, why don't you go open the attic? <laughs> and of course you know what's what happens. You can guess the rest. The reason she would kept me out of the attic the whole time was because my biggest and best Christmas present was sitting right there in the doorway waiting for me. We know that our King, who has authority and power in our lives, who commands us in ways that sometimes seem painful, is making all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. And we know that our King, his ultimate thoughts are for our good. As Beth's favorite verse has reminded us so many times over the past few weeks, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, my friend, this morning, if he is drawing you to himself, believe in him right now. Call upon him, and he will save you. Because you see, his authority is over you. His power is over you. And one day, maybe soon, he will command.